As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, I'm Ryan Reynolds, owner of Mint Mobile. And I know it's hard to believe Mint can be any good for just $15 a month. So let's ask Wasim Iknabi, one of Mint's first customers, if he has any issues with Mint. No, the service has been great. And under my ownership, it's going to get even better. How? No clue. Still $15 a month though, right? Yep. To learn more and see our logo, go to mintmobile.com slash Spotify. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. We ready to drop this thing? Uh, Houston, uh, we are uh, ready. Okay, everybody. Let's take it from the top. Atomic batteries to power. Four. Prepare for warp speed. Turbines to speed. Standby transwarp drive. Two. Roger. Ready to move on my mark. One. Let's go. This is the Low Down Sports Show with Drew. Yes, sir. And BJ. Let's get at it. And it starts now. All right. Welcome into another episode of the Low Down Sports Show. This show is brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. Our guest on the show today is from 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, board operator for the KNC Masterpiece and host of the Get Right with Reg and KG, Mr. Reginald Atatula. Appreciate y'all having me on with you. Appreciate you coming on with us, my man. Got a lot in store for you today. Going to talk about the get right here later. Talk about some crazy WNBA stuff that happened. And preview these NBA finals. Sounds good. I'll, I'll give you what, what I got. All right. Let's get after it then. All right. Starting off with the NBA side of things. Let me actually get a pause real quick. I hear an echo right. too. Yeah. Um, I do hear myself now. hear myself now. Okay, you got an echo now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yes. I guess so just, I mute guess until just mute until you got something to say. <laughs> All right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. We'll keep flowing through this then. NBA Finals, though, ladies and gentlemen, or gentlemen in this case, ladies if you're listening Ooh. as well. But, I mean, who knows who's out there? Mm-hmm. We got some NBA Finals on tap. We got a lot of talent in these NBA Finals. Golden State Houston. Warriors, proven champions, Boston Celtics. Historically, the franchise champions – very new guys as far as the people on that team in the finals in the Boston Celtics. Got a good matchup coming, though. High-powered offense, big-time defense, a lot of good talent here. So we have a big-time series on the way. And it's been fun watching them get there, except for, you know, the Warriors. You know, I didn't enjoy watching them get there. You know, I said, I need the Mavericks to be here right now. But, you know, Steph and them and Wiggins, you know, just decided to play some basketball for the first time in his life since – you know, he was drafted, but hey, brother was an all-star. He said he wanted to get to the finals too. So, hey, they're there. But gotta we, we got to see what Reggie thinks about these NBA finals. Reggie, NBA finals on tap. Give me a prediction. Give me a prediction. Oh, you started in like the worst place for me. I had predictions. Um, you're going to find that I'm, I'm a very tangential person, so I apologize ahead of time. Um, I hate predictions, and it's for – this particular reason. I don't have a crystal ball, right? Like I'll give you, I can give you as much as like, as much information, much, uh, much um, 
kind of analysis as I can give you. But ultimately, we play for a reason, for a reason, right? They're not on paper. And nobody likes to come back around and tell you when you're right. People only like coming back around and getting after you when you're wrong, as if you knew what was going to happen. So I don't love predictions. And also in this space, I don't know if I could even, like, analyze myself into a prediction in this one. I really am intrigued by both of these teams. We can start with the Warriors here because the Warriors are a team that, that are like stretching out and stretching out or stretching out a window, which is something I'm not sure that I anticipated being possible, right? You have that that core of Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and those guys have gotten old. Like that's not even a core that I thought would still be together at this point. They are just putting it up because they're in San Francisco, they built the new arena and they're just like, look, we'll pay exorbitant tax, you know, bills to keep this thing together and add youth to it. And I didn't imagine that it was possible because of like the rules that are prohibitive and just because of like the way that, you know, sports go and are, you know, toll human body, human body. I didn't anticipate that they'd be able to keep playing at these levels. So like, I'm, I'm amazed by them and by the fact that there's also a really good defensive team in addition to being a team that shoots well. Plus, I'm, I've already added like three plus at this point. I understand <laughs> that. Uh, plus, hey, we are not seeing the Thanos snapping all powerful warriors anymore. Right. They're not that right. anymore. Because one yeah. thing that you'll notice is the warriors, when they were at the height of their terror, they could take a 15 point or they could be down 15 points and you'd be on the edge of your seat because that thing could be gone like that. That's not the case anymore. Steph Curry shot under 40% for the first time in, I don't know how many seasons it might've been the first time in his career outside of the one year that was like wildly shortened where he shot like 20 some percent from three him shooting under it's what makes them incredible is not them shooting. Well, it's them shooting otherworldly is what makes them incredible. And they're no longer those guys. They're no longer 42, 43% three-point shooters. They're 38% three-point shooters, which is good. Don't get me wrong. But I was just like, huh, I wonder how much you can stretch this where you're no longer that team can, that can just bury the other team. And apparently the finals is where you can stretch this too. <laughs> um, so what do I know? But then on the Boston side, you've got this team that for the longest time, it seemed like there wasn't, not even just like lead dog. It seemed like they had a whole bunch of dudes that were solid, but not enough dudes that were great to make this thing go. If we're going to just talk about it in a narrative sense, but also like offensively, they didn't have guys that could create for others. They had guys that, you know, Jalen Brunson and Jason Tatum have seemingly pretty early on become getting shot, getting shot guys, which is cool. That's great. You need those in the league. But it didn't seem like they had guys that would go and get others buckets. And so it's like, all right, cool that you cool that y'all have dudes that can get buckets. Are y'all just gonna play you go? But no, but no, they get to a point where they have found a way to develop offense. Shout out to Ime Udoka. Even if it's not a ton of offense, it's sufficient offense. Um, well, I guess I shouldn't say that because they also had like a really, really good offensive rating this season. But it just feel like just from watching it, it doesn't feel like they have that level of offense. And I guess you can also just then just speak to the inexperience because that's when you start seeing them be goofy and let Miami hang around or what have you. So I look at all those things. I pull, pull those together, even though, you know, great defense, you've got a first time head coach in Ime Udoka. You've got young 
uh, stars that are leading the way with the Celtics, and you've got a fallible warning that um, is not up to the standard that they had already set for themselves, even though that's not like shade or anything. It's just that's a level that I think was incapable of being sustained for an incredible long, long time. Um, you just get these two teams that I could see either way it breaking. I could see the the Celtics finding a way to lock down that chaotic offense that the Warriors typically bring, and then you find yourself in a place where the Celtics win in six, or you could find the war and also the Warriors turning the ball over. That would probably factor it. Or you can see yourself in a place where the Celtics just don't have enough offense, where Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, more Steph and Jordan Poole are running around all the time and finding back cuts and front cuts and left cuts, right cuts, <laughs> any type of cut you want. And then they end up winning in six games. It really does feel like one that at the very least, I want to go a long period of time just so I can figure this out. So I can see the chess match of this matchup because that's really the greatest thing about this is you've got two teams that are really good at the tactics of this all. And I want to see how those match up and play. The team split in the regular season. And of course you really can't factor that in when you get to this point in the year. But I, I want to say two things. First, you were right, uh, Reginald. This is the first time in Steph's Curry, Steph Curry's career, besides the shortened year with the, the bubble and everything, um, that he shot below 40% from three. And also I wanted to say for Boston's standpoint, you know, this has been their quest to exercise as many demons as possible in their run to get this far going through Brooklyn, who they got knocked out by last year, Miami in the bubble two years ago and Milwaukee, I believe uh, in 2019 as well. So they've gone through all three of those teams. They've climbed that mountain. They have finally gotten there you know, they're, they're out on a mission to prove that this isn't a fluke. You, you, you said that you want to see this, this matchup go as, as long as possible. How much has Boston's defense improved in your opinion that in terms of how they're going to be able to, to stop this golden state offensive attack? Do you, do you expect that to be, you know, do they, do you expect them to get enough stops in, in to win this series? That's a really good question. And I've been kind of thinking on that the last couple of days, in part because the way that we think about these series before we go in, and that's like the Royal We, everybody, um, oftentimes we do this thing where we start figuring out matchups. And matchups are important, but it also feels like we're hearkening back to the days in the 90s where there was legal defense and you kind of had to one up. Like these things end up being a lot more about defensive principles than they are just matchups. However, mm-hmm. Boston has the personnel to be able to match up and be able to give the Warriors hell, right? I think then it's less about personnel and maybe somewhat obviously about tactics and more about that experience and being locked in. The one thing that I think the Warriors do more than anything is they test your determination and your, and they, they fatigue you, right? Like your mm-hmm. endurance, your mm-hmm. mental endurance, because it, it's the mental endurance that it takes to stick on a guy for 22 seconds when he's cutting back and forth and be able to watch ball, but then also watch your man and make sure he's not going on a back cut and being able to be aware and watch for a pin down and watch for, like, it, it takes that level of mental endurance and that level of security to stay with your defensive philosophy all the way through a shot clock and making sure that you know your personnel well enough to know when you need to leave somebody open and what your, what your person or what your um, tactics are on this and whether you're playing the drop or whether you're playing the Sean recover and how they're going to stretch you 
in those ways. I think deep, Boston has the capability of doing those things. It really comes down to whether they're capable of executing it defensively, because I do think that they have they've shown a lot of progression and the progression this season has been largely in two places. Um, Robert Williams has become crazy good at basketball this Boy. year. I mean, yeah. the way that he's put it together. That's the way that he's put it together this year is crazy in my mind. And that's given them a rim protector, but then somebody that could kind of anchor this defensively behind the guys on the perimeter who are really good. And like your Jalen Brown or Jalen, Jalen, yeah, Jalen Brown. I almost said Jalen Brunson. That's not who we're talking about. Jalen Brown <laughs> and Jason Tatum. And then of course your defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart up front being a, a guy that can just like pester a ball handler. And then they're trading for Derek White. Derek White has been a really good addition for them. It's not somebody who, who is going to flash, but you've seen the ways in which he's helped them see what they're doing. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, those are the things that I look at with Boston's defense in particular. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, the, the tough thing about it is I don't think that there's anybody who's in the Bears in the league to the Warriors. You can't go, well, I saw what they did against the Nets, and that helps me figure. No, there's no team that you could say is some level of facsimile for that. So, that's that's why the Warriors present such an interesting challenge. I haven't been able to pick any of their series this this uh, postseason. Obviously, early on in the first round, you're like, the Warriors are going to win. But once you get past that, I'm like, I can see how these things break all sorts of different ways just because the Warriors are such a chaotic team. And I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah, I actually had them, I believe, in my original bracket, BJ tell me if I'm wrong here, okay. going out in the second round and yes, not making did. it as far as they are now, just because of that, you know, inconsistency that we've seen from this team throughout the year. And which actually brings me to my point. That's going to be a counterpoint, but also like supporting your earlier point that, you know, they aren't exactly that old team that when, you know, a lead was never safe with those golden state warriors, they have some of that left. Cause it happened to us. Cause every time when we were up 15, I was like, Nah, I don't feel good about that one. No, I'm not feeling okay. I'm, I'm like that uh, that key, that meme where he's just sweating bullets, just dripping. Because it's going to happen in here in just a minute. They're going to blow that lead. I don't know if that was just us being the Dallas Mavericks or if they still have some of that old stuff. I think they still have some of that old stuff, and I think it was us too. But uh, I also support the fact that, you know, they're going into – this series against the Celtics, you know, with those inconsistencies and, you know, the Celtics aren't us. They are a more consistent defensive team. I think they're a better all around team. Obviously they made the finals. So I think, you know, unless the Warriors really tap into that old team and like when they get those leads, they hold on. And when they're behind like that, they can rally like nobody's business, you know, especially at home where they can get the crowd behind their back, which that's why I've got them taking game one. Let me go ahead and tell you all that one. Uh, but it's going to be a great series, and I, I hope it goes the distance like Reggie's talking about here. Um, it's got the potential to, and, and you talked about matchups. You don't want to dig into those too much, but I, I know Derek White, Marcus Smart going to be chasing Curry like a chicken with his head cut off, and there <laughs> it's. And you talk about the mental fatigue. Like, yeah, Curry is going to be running all game long, dude. Like, he, he doesn't stop. So, like, you know, Derek White in his first NBA Finals, Marcus Smart in his first NBA Finals, like, can they deal with that? Like, they're, they're gritty defenders. Marcus Smart is a defensive player of the year. Saw something crazy last Last time a Boston Celtics player was in the finals and was defensive player of the year, they won the championship 2008 Celtics with KG. 
there's nothing to that, maybe, but you know, it's gotta make Marcus feel good. <laughs> you, know? you know, maybe, maybe the world is on his side. Maybe he's got some fate, and it'll pump him up. He might be one of those guys that you know creates motivation for himself. You know, got a little bit of crazy in him like Kobe or something. I don't know, but it is gonna be fun. But we'll see which type of Warriors team that we're gonna have in the finals when they're at home. If they split it, I think the jury's still out. If they win both, then it might be those old guys that we got back, and they're trying to win another one. So I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to see it. I'm with you. Um, oh, man, I had something I wanted. Oh, okay, the thing about, like, leads evaporating with the Warriors. With the Mavericks, you notice that the lead didn't evaporate in, like, five minutes. Right. They walked. They had to walk you down, which yeah, is a lot more of uh, – a normal NBA thing where you see them walk you down over the course of a quarter instead of half of a quarter. That's what, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about yeah. like leads evaporating. The Warriors at, at their height used to you would look up, look down, look up again, and the game was entirely different. That wasn't it. You saw like a you saw a change in the game, and you saw them start walking a team down, which they're still capable of because they're a good basketball team. They're just not that extinction level event type uh type team and that's that was the point that i was making ultimately there right um yeah no you're i think you're right and i i'm really intrigued by celtics celtics and the matchups that those guys present plus i mean draymond being a a guy that you don't have to guard is probably a godsend to be able to leave you know the likes of robert williams on the floor to like just be a rim protector because against the mavericks the did not have to worry about getting to the rim nearly as much. Of course, they're going to try and get there anyway. I'm really intrigued to see how that works because what keeps the Warriors and honestly all of these three-point shooting teams and to go back a second, you do you guys remember that first run with the Warriors where Charles yeah. Barkley would be on TNT yeah. saying jumping teams can't win championships? Yeah. Like, I vividly remember and it felt like the whole time what he was ignoring is that those teams got to the rack just as much as they shot threes. And it's super vital because when those shots aren't going, which of course are happening a little bit more as they become less of that dominant three-point shooting team, Mm -hmm. they've got to get to the rim. Mm -hmm. Whether it's Andrew Wiggins being effective, whether it's cuts, whether it's Steph Curry just blowing by somebody, they've got to get to the rim. And I'm really intrigued by what Robert Williams down low does to that and that ability to do that. Because if they can take away, obviously not take away entirely, but if they can make it that much more difficult for the Warriors to get easy twos now we start to see some grimy games i think and that's where i think the celtics live that's why mm-hmm. celtics my or celtics heat was such an interesting series because they were playing spider-man mean basketball those were the same team <laughs> yeah. and if they if they can bring the warriors to that place i don't think the warriors are equipped to exist in that space no uh you you made a great point there about walking down uh and I think the Warriors may have borrowed some of that from the Mavericks because I remember not just once uh, that happened very famously where it was like a 30-4 to four run or something by the Mavericks in San Francisco to win a game out there. But I believe it happened again in Dallas uh, this year where the Mavericks were – it was a close game and then all of a sudden the fourth quarter just was so out of control. The Mavericks, you know, seizing on momentum in both those instances. And – you know, that was a different Warriors team and a different Mavericks team at that those points than what we saw in this postseason. Um, so I, I think that's a, a very good point about what, you know, we've seen from this this Warriors group. Um, does this feel like, you know, you talked about the aging core. 
does this feel like the Warriors' last gasp at keeping the dynasty alive? Do you think that with the, the young talent they have brought in, that they're equipped to, you know, make it back even with without a Draymond or without a Clay Thompson here in the next coming years with with Looney and with Wiggins and and uh, Jordan Poole and Kaminga. Yeah, yeah, that's a really tough question to answer. I think the toughest one to replicate is Draymond. Yeah, Draymond. Yeah. I always go back to, and this allows me to slander Luke Walton a little bit, which I always appreciate. Um, when Luke Walton was the interim for them, when Steve Kerr had the back issues that had him out for a significant amount of time, I want to say maybe like. I think it was like 40 games. games. Yeah. Yeah. Golly. Um, There was an instance where I remember there was a timeout. Luke Walton wasn't even at the bench. It was Draymond Green running the timeout. Uh, And I was like, oh, that is like the perfect image of how vital that dude and his basketball IQ and all of those things are. That guy's a coach. Yeah. Like point blank period. That guy's a coach level basketball guy. So when it comes to setting up the defense and the reason why they're the second team, second rated team in defense rating over the entirety of the season, it's in, in large part because of Drake. It's not him. Obviously they have us, they have us now and they now and they obviously employ coach. They do a great, they do a great job. But Draymond Green is the guy who organizes those things on the court. Draymond Green is also their de facto point guard when it comes to like actual playmaking. Draymond Green is doing a lot of those things. And I think that he ends up being almost like what Sean Marion was to those sons, seven second or less sons, and to those uh, champion Mavericks. Like he ends up being the linchpin, the hinge that makes a lot of this go. So Draymond Green, in addition to his defense, I I don't know how you replicate that even with the young guys. Maybe you say Jonathan Kuminga is going to develop into, into something similar to that. And he's getting game from Draymond right now. So eventually maybe he develops into that. I'm just, I'm just not willing to take that gamble. But when it comes down to like the, whether they can extend this, because I don't know if you can just hand this to a different core and have them be the exact same. Right. I think that that might not even be fair to the young core. Mm-hmm. But they have done a good job of drafting young guys, even Eric, Pas- Eric Pascal, who's moved on. Guys that haven't had high ceilings at least, or haven't had high expectations that they've built up, they've done a great job of. So I can see them finding a new life in some way with those young guys. I don't know how much you can replicate the greatest shooter of all time and another one of the greatest shooters of all time, even though Jordan Poole has been fantastic and phenomenal, right? Um, and also, Clay Thompson was an incredible shooter while being a, a pretty damn good defensive player as well. Like those, you're asking for a lot of those things, but having an Andrew Wiggins has been really cool, especially when you have an Andrew Wiggins that you don't require to be very much on offense or Andrew Wiggins that you're like, Hey, take a shot every once in a while, get to the rim periodically and focus. That's, that is a, that is a optimized Andrew Wiggins. And he's not that old. He's still in his twenties. I want to say he's like 27, 28, something like that. That's a guy that can help you extend this window. I just don't know. And also, I don't know how much they can do that with guys who have had such injuries at that age. Steph Curry is 34 years old and was injury prone at the early part of his career, has had a couple of knocks throughout that. I don't know how that continues on. And not to say that they can't do it, but I feel feel confident that they will find a way to be interesting and good. I I don't know how long you can stretch that out for, especially going back to the point, and I hate to be the person who's a stickler on the money, but... If there's a reason why you don't see this very often, the team keeping all of this money on the deck at the same time. They are paying out the wazoo on these tax bills. And most owners, even though they are multi-million and oftentimes billionaires, they don't want to pay 
crazy, crazy amount of money, especially if it's going to be outside of just winning championships. If you're just going to play deep into the playoffs, we can do that for a lot cheaper. So I wonder at what point um, the the ownership of the Warriors says, okay, we've paid the tax and we've gotten the benefit out of it. And the juice is no longer worth. I wonder how. I wonder how that comes up. I wonder how Steph and Clay comes up, like when it comes to their shooting percentages and also their bodies. And I just wonder how much you can expect once you stop or once you shift some more of the responsibilities away from Steph and Clay onto the Kamingas and Pools and the James Wisemans when he comes through. I wonder how that actually looks and what the actual ceiling is in a Western Conference that is scary. It's really scary how many good teams there are in the Western Conference. Yeah. Teams yeah. like the the Timberwolves, who look like they've gotten their guy, right? Teams like the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, who have done a great job of doing what I was talking about with the Warriors, of finding guys who are undervalued and building them up like a Brandon Clark, like an Xavier Tillman. Finding, or like the Suns, who, that's a, that's a thing that's really interesting. I don't even know. That could, that could have came and gone, but we have to see that. The Clippers are eventually going to get Kawhi Leonard back, I imagine, and Paul George is a monster, right? You got that thing going on there. If the Lakers find a way to be any level of competitive, right, you've just got so many teams, and that's, of course, missing out or not paying attention to the teams that had, that were there at the end, like the Mavericks. You know, just a crazy Western Conference and then you're going through this waning period of a dynasty, if we want to call it that, in the Warriors. Predicting that is tough, but I think that they've definitely done as well as you can expect a team to do in setting themselves up. Whether or not it ultimately works, that remains to be seen. And I don't know the full list of all these players, but is Draymond Green the best second-round pick of all time? That's a good question. This is where my this is where I hate it because I'm a, we're gonna be done like in two hours from now I'm gonna be like damn that's one. um you gotta obviously talk about Jokic who is a two time MVP out of the second round ah uh, yeah that one probably uh, yeah. is one that we gotta bring up and I'm sure historically we can find a few but I think we really gotta applaud how how well front offices have managed to do nowadays in finding you know gems in the rough. There's more than I think ever, and maybe this is just recency bias. Maybe if I actually went and did a study, we'd find a whole bunch more second rounders who have produced like first round picks or lottery picks. But it just feels like of late, so many guys, many guys drafted a little bit further down. Of course, Giannis is in a second rounder, but you see a, a 15th overall pick becoming one of, if not the best players in the world, right? You're seeing, like I said, Jokic come up and be a two time MVP out of, out of the second round. And I, the list goes on and on. I'm sure we can get to many guys who you go, that's a second rounder, but playing a, playing a vital role for teams. And it feels like Brunson is doing a great job. But Draymond's got to be top five or ten of those, absolutely, without a question. I, I like how much how smart he is, his, his basketball IQ, as you mentioned. I think, you know, outside of maybe the lowdown, he's got the best podcast uh, that talks solely basketball. Um Let's let's shift gears because we've talked a lot about the Warriors. I don't feel like we've given the Celtics a lot of credit. I have been, you know, and and I'll be the first to admit it. I did not buy high on the Celtics team at all coming into postseason. I'm proud to say I was wrong because you know that gave them some motivation. But I, you know, I still didn't buy into them. What do you think has been? Is it you know the the coaching that has come in here? 
and and the the expertise that he's been able to bring to this team is that what you think has been the the biggest difference maker to get them over that hump finally and speaking of the Celtics it's disgusting me that Al Horford's in the NBA finals but go ahead <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Before, wait, 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 wait. I need to find this out before because that's a great question, BJ. I will answer that. Where, where, what's the Al Horford hate? I need to find out what this is about. I just couldn't put him on my basketball team. I like. He would be exact. He'd be a great fit. Be a great fit. It would be probably. Okay. Probably. All right. I don't know. Something like. Look, I get a good slander. I just, I just needed to know what that was about. Uh, I just don't like him. Don't like him. <laughs> Horford. You gotta say it like that, by the way. Al Horford. Um, Al Horford. I hope his sister doesn't watch this podcast. Oh, and she she goes bad for her brother. I respect the hell out of her. She'll put um, this tumbler right up against my head real quick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Ime has played a huge role in this, and I'm not sure if it's just like X's and O's, but I feel like one of the things that I can definitely point to because I don't know how equipped I am to actually dig into X's and O's that I leave that to like great basketball analysts and video coordinators and stuff like uh, Steve mm-hmm. Jones and Nikai's Duncan, folks like that. Um, but I feel like Ime did a great job of empowering his guys to progress because we've seen a ramping up of talent when it comes to, or like capability, because talent has been there for Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, but like those guys have absolutely topped their, topped their level of play. And I think that some of that is just confidence, right? Like, it just feels like they play a more confident, more intuitive sense uh, or style of basketball as they've gone through this season. I, you've, you've seen some things that have been facilitated um, to get their team better situated to play postseason basketball, like we mentioned earlier with Blake um, Williams and with, with um, the Derek White trade. But... Jason Tatum has just become that dude. <laughs> you know, like it it, yeah. it feels like yeah. not as smart basketball analysis, but it, it feels true. Jason Tatum has found a way to become that dude and play they play a more interconnected style of basketball. Less of that you go, I go, a whole bunch of dudes who are playing rec ball and more of a team dynamic. And of course, I guess you have to bring that back to email as well as to whatever they are doing to get like the right blend of uh offense, defense, those things. But I think it's all facilitated because you've seen Jason Tatum and maybe to a little bit lesser extent Jalen Brown come into a more fullness of what they what they've always been capable of as star NBA players. Agree. It's been it's been fun to watch them mature and become better. It almost seems like and and this was talked about on the on the fan today as well, talking about the OKC team that made it back when they were young and the comparisons to to them and, and you know how they made the conference finals and then the finals right after that. This team got more of a chance to grow up before they made their way back there. And it feels like a rejuvenated, obviously more matured and ready team like if they'd have made it immediately that next year like that that okc team did i think you probably get the exact same result i think now you've got a better chance and uh you know they're more confident as well but before we before we slide into uh wnba here in a little bit reggie want to get some last final thoughts on these finals bpi had the celtics winning this series 80%. 80%. They had them at 80% to win the NBA Finals against the three-time champion Warriors. 80%. Uh, what do you think about that? About that? 
it sounds ridiculous because like the number is so damn high and it's these are the companies come to respect especially the warriors coming into these playoffs i absolutely would have looked at boston as the more high highly regarded team in my estimation i of course we've seen some things from the warriors and now we're doing that thing where we trade on their history and i don't know how much i can how much i can actually factor that in right we're doing the oh now they've got championship pedigree which i'm not saying is nothing it's absolutely not nothing I just don't know how much that actually accounts for when we get between these lines. I account for, I account for a lot, right? You might end up in this place where um, the moment in some way gets to the Celtics or they end up being a little bit sloppier and a little to hang, to hang around in certain instances. And maybe that's and is what I do. I do absolutely understand the, the ways that the metrics can look up and see the Celtics who, from the turn of the calendar, have been one of, if not the best basketball teams in the NBA. I don't think it's absurd that you look up and metrics are telling you, yeah, it's highly likely that they win this thing, especially because against Miami, a team that is pretty dogged, they went and won, a, what was it, three games in Miami on their court? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. As a type of team who has done this in a way where I can feel comfortable uh, resting on how good they are. I just know that they can be a little inconsistent, just like losing all of those games at home. Uh, against the the uh, Heat, right? Like just like letting a Heat team that does not have a lot of offensive firepower hang with you, right? I I can see how those things also factor in with Boston. But when it comes down to just the just the like basic talent, before we start talking narratively of like the basketball intellect and the organizational memory and all of those Warriors, things, Warriors yeah, the Boston Celtics absolutely are capable and deserve to be here because of their strength and their capability outside of just them being the young new kids on the block. My final question before we shift gears and move on, do you put any um, stock in like superstitious traditions or whatever? Like there's, there's been a Kendrick Lamar release every time the Warriors have, have won the NBA finals, or there's been a New York Nick on every championship team in the past. So that gives the edge to the Celtics. Do you put any stock in that? And if so, I mean, something's got to give if that's the case. I don't. I'm not. I, I think through this conversation, you can tell I'm very much uh, tied to like, hey, let's talk about this in an analytic and smart way. But at the same time, <laughs> I, get, I get how that's fun. I get how those things are entertaining. My thing about it is I just want to keep those to where they where they need to be. If we're in a mode where we're just having fun and telling jokes, jokes are greater than facts. I get it. Sometimes we just got to have fun and tell these jokes. Yeah, the last time Kendrick Lamar dropped, that was it. Um, however, when we're actually getting to the point where we want to talk about this in a serious way, yeah, no, leave that at the door because that's not actually going to factor in into what's happening. Or at least I don't think it is. And far be it from me, I pretend like I know everything. Crazy coincidences, <laughs> man. Crazy coincidences. Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the USC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. It's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming now, only on Showtime, streaming with Paramount Plus. All right, we're all ready for these NBA Finals, and I'm sure we're very ready for the NBA champs to be crowned at the end of it at the end of this month. Join that join that Finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers, it could be Reggie, 
maybe, can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Yeah, Drew, if you're looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA Finals, well, you can do just that with a DraftKings same-game parlay. This new NBA season, a customer placed a $5 same-game parlay and won over $5,000. It wasn't me, I okay. promise. I, I, would, I, would, I would still it do was. the show if I, I had. <laughs> I I'd right. still do the show if it had been, but I'd, I'd be feeling a little bit better about my case if – if it was me, but it wasn't. Unfortunately, I wasn't smart enough like that person was. I didn't combine multiple bets like which team was going to win or the total three-pointers made or how many rebounds were going to be accumulated in the game. Uh, but if you do that, you've got a shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly that's promo code tbpn only at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details all right we're gonna shift gears we're gonna talk some wnba last night while watching the chicago sky hosting the phoenix mercury a wnba finals rematch drew mm. i was texting you and i said mm. oh no diana Taurasi, mm. she got tossed and she looked like she had a very valid point in, <sighs> in, in arguing with the the officiating. She was being they, – they were playing aggressive defense against her. She was upset and frustrated by it, and there was no foul called. And she kept drawing, and she got tossed. BJ, I had instant regret when I saw your text message. DT got tossed. I was like – I just stopped in my <laughs> tracks for a second. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't normally do this. But I defended Diana Taurasi earlier yesterday. It's very out of character. I don't oh. do those things. I don't do those wow. things. Because I'm trying to get, I was trying to trade her in fantasy. I was trying to boost that value. <laughs> trying to get that value up. I was like, she's, she's the goat, like people say. She got 30 against Dallas. She's still hooping. And then before the half. <laughs> and she got nine points got me less than double digit fantasy points i'm over here crying wallowing in my, in my pity that my sell job did not work and then she got tossed just to make me look even worse i think she i don't know if she just she she hacked the whatsapp and saw me complimenting her trying to get her traded or what but she just decided to get herself ejected and that was just that was very diana tarasi of her and reggie i want you to give me your take on this you know you watch a little bit of WNBA, so you know who Diana Taurasi is. You know she got a little attitude. Uh, you watch a little bit of NBA. You know who Luka Doncic is. Do you think Diana Taurasi is Luka's favorite player? Or do you think Luka's favorite player is Diana Taurasi? You know, because they both, they do they don't want to leave the refs alone. They they know how each other play. They got to be the same player at this point. Just, hey, they hit me. Call it. Or are you a boop, boop? <laughs> oh man that's i never considered that that connection there uh i don't know like uh because this seems to seems to be come from no they seem to kind of come from the same place like they're just wild competitive to the point where they're like how could you how dare you <laughs> how Where's dare you <laughs> like the audacity of you to call a foul on me uh i'm just a man diana Taurasi, just like 
the boldness, the as Stephen A. Smith would say, the unmitigated, the the that she just she she's like, I'm here, y'all know who I am, and I'm going to talk to you any kind of way. And I kind of respect it. Uh, that she's like, you know who I am, you know what, and and I'm not taking no guff from you. Uh yeah, no, I I could see that, but I feel like Luca, if he's got people in his ear, he's got the organization, he's got coaches that have told him to calm down. Like I'm not, I have a feeling that comes from well deep deep down inside of him and not trying to emulate uh, Diana Taurasi. But Diana Taurasi, she's been doing this for a long time. She's she's true to this, not new to this. What if Luca had an MVP and a few more championships? Do you think he'd get to DT levels at that point and be like, hey, you know what, Jason, sit down. I'm going to talk with Scott Foster for about five minutes. Leave me alone. I think it it would go over better. (laughs) <laughs> it would go over, but and also he'd probably get some more of these calls. Um, oh some yeah. More of these calls. Oh yeah. Uh, but also, like, I, it just feels like I don't know. I don't know. I had something and I lost it. It'd be like that. <laughs> it do. Yeah, it I, do. I, I, I have a feeling that Luca is not going to be in the exact same place that Diana is. It just, it, it just, if for no reason, the, the W has a shorter span. She stands a little bit higher. In that regard, and I think Luca ultimately will not in any shape to Luca just because there's just such a wide landscape in that in the NBA. It was very on brand of DT, though I will say that. And and no, they did not accept my trade; it got rejected. Um, so I'm still over here to pain with those measly like nine fantasy points that she left me yesterday. So I I'm not up this week in fantasy, guys. Don't ask. Don't ask wow. what the score is, and don't ask if I'm going to come back because I don't What's know the score. <laughs> <laughs> let me mute your mic let me get you out of here Speaking from the show me and reggie will finish it off uh the lowdown with with reg and drew all right uh we still got some more for you though reggie uh dallas wings played some basketball last night i refrained from saying good basketball because that would be a lie it was some uh, basketball and it would also be a lie if i said everyone on that team kept their heads would be a very very bad lie no one but no one would believe that they know who the star player is and they've seen her play this season and that's what i want to get into with you reggie reggie you've talked to coach vj before you've had her on the fan you know you watch this team you know a little bit about this team as well you might know more than bj but we're, i'm not gonna get on his head in this episode but she had a problem last night the wings had a problem they have gone from a team that couldn't lose on the road to what the heck are you doing out there to you got two free throws down to tie the game, Arike at the line. And for some context, people, in the last four games, Arike has been 17 for 17 from the free throw line. I can understand a little bit of frustration here, a little bit, but this one was a little bit more than I expected. She missed the first free throw, was absolutely shocked in herself, you know, Stuff like that happens. And then the second one comes up, getting ready for it. Gets right here and holds it. She pump faked the free throw and tried to point like, hey, they crossed the line. Like, what's it matter? You got to shoot. <laughs> you, you still got to shoot. <laughs> you still got to shoot, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? And then after that, she proceeds to get twice as mad, maybe three times. I don't know how many multipliers you want to give it. She got way more mad, as many as you can think of, way a lot more mad. And she decided to go over to the sideline. You know, she saw this podium, you know, where they got people behind it that write stuff down, print off box scores and stuff. 
important stuff happens behind it. She goes over there and gives that a swift kick and knocks down both of those towels. So you know she kicked the mess out of it. She didn't just toe-tap that thing. She kicked the mess out of it right in front of VJ, and VJ was just like, what? I think she was scared for her life at that moment, personally. I'm not even going to lie to you. VJ thought she might die right there with the angry Enrique. But did you get to see the game, Reggie? And if not, I'm sure you've seen a highlight by now. And I just want to just want to know where you're at with this team at this point from the way they started and, and what you've seen lately with these guys. Because I don't I'm not sure who this team is right now. And I don't know if they know either. Yeah, I, I did watch some of the game. I had it on. One of the problems with me is that, again, I've talked to him. I've described myself as like a little bit of a sports junkie, and I'm trying to engage with everything. So, like, there will be times where I'll have the Wings game on and something else on, and I'm trying to take both of them in. But I definitely got to focus on the end of the game, and I almost wish I didn't because it was very uh, befuddling what happened at the end of the game. Uh, I, I hate to get to these places just because – I'm not in people's heads. And also once we start to get to like psychoanalysis, we end up tripping a lot of times. But Enrique has always been a player that I've wondered about like her fortitude at times. Like she does the things where you go, where was your head on that? Right? Or where she, you know, would go and take tough shots that she had no business taking because she was not like looking for her teammates on the floor and such. It's like you had somebody there and you took a tough shot and yes, you're capable. The skill is there in a big way. We all know that, but I need you to operate within the context of what's happening on the floor defensively. You know, it's like, we know where Enrique has been defensively in the past, right? Like how it's, it's been like just a manifestation in a different way where, yeah, you got to rolling to the rim, got it, drew a foul get to the line and line and just lock in, right? Like this is a moment where you just needed to lock in, but not to harp on Enrique because one, there's plenty of people that will do it on Twitter and will have some fair points about it. But two, the team and the way that it's going has been the biggest question for me and all sorts of different wings onlookers for a long time. You were talking true. Since this question that has been, that has been, has been the question coming in three straight seasons when we're coming into the season. And one thing I know, thing I noticed last night, I was just kind of thinking on it, right? And I don't know how profound it is. You tell me. Is it's kind of amazing that we came into this season with the wings, and I looked up and oh man, the wings might be good. And the players that are actually factoring in are not actually players that they years that they've been like saving up draft capital to draft. It's supposed to be a used to be a young team where the young players are factoring in. You know who are the players that are making noise? Is he Marina, Marina Mabry, obviously Enrique, Alicia, Alicia Gray. Like, these, like, these are people who have been kind of the backbone of this team for a long time, whether they have been role coming off the bring off the bench to solidify that in a season where they try to kind of throw a lot of the youth out there and see what happens, or whether now they're starting the starting lineup and just kind of been given the minutes to do it. But either way, you've done a ton to make sure to get a whole bunch of tracks and draft them. And, of course, the one shining example that you can point to is, hey, look, Satu is great, which she is. That's awesome. Um, and then, of course, you've got Locke who's getting minutes. And, of course, Ty Harris, who thankfully, thankfully is finally getting opportunities to, you know, run some offense, even though she has some growing to do. But I keep looking up and seeing the the, you know, the, you know, the this team or this team are still kind of some more veteran that weren't a, weren't a part of this, like, the actual drafting process. So I'm like, is it a development thing or are you just not 
Were, did you not find like players? Even though I, I do like Ia Veronica, Veronica uh, Burden. I don't know how much I've seen from her in particular. I've seen her help be defending. I can't say that. But it just is weird to me. And again, I don't know how novel this is. I haven't watched all the Wings games. And I definitely haven't watched it as closely as people that cover it, like Dorothy, Gentry, or others. But it's odd to me that I look up and I portions of this team that are helping them succeed are older veteran type players and not those young players that you expected or that had been kind of sold as the future of this. And I don't know what that says about the organization, but it does put a big old question mark for me in particular. I'm just like, what is it that I'm watching and what is it that you're trying to accomplish? See you guys in the chat having having a little bit of audio issues today. Uh, trying to work through it. We've had some really good spots, and then some spots has just been uh, been been, been kind of tough. We appreciate that you letting us know in the chat. Uh, EG fourteen hundred said uh, Reggie's well spoken. We appreciate that. Yes, yes, Absolutely. he is. He is. I uh, love having Reggie on. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a lot of different things with this team and. You know, you mentioned about the the young players and, and, and the players that are still playing or the players that have been here this whole time. Like, he keeps talking about, you know, drafting, you know, player getting people through the draft and, like, growing up with this team and just kind of winning with the players that he's drafted. But he's, he's drafting and shipping out and drafting and sitting them on the bench and still just using what he already has. So it's essentially the same old thing all the time, and those players are just getting a little bit better at what they do. You know, Alicia gradually getting better. Now she's one of the better two-way players in the game. Caleb Thornton just becoming a better defender and more three and D, you know, as as her career goes on. Izzy becoming a better and more confident player on both ends of the floor as her career goes on. Marina, a more confident player and feisty offensive player as her career goes on and, and so on. But these other players, the number one draft pick, Charlie Collier, not getting any time out there, not getting any run. Uh, a walk career. I mean, she's getting some steady minutes, but not really getting opportunity to do anything meaningful on the court. Like she's playing, but nothing is going through her. She's she might get a shot up a game, but I mean, there's nothing really out there for a walk specifically. And you know, Ty Harris. You know, they tried to start the season starting her. And then, you know, instantly switched that up and put Marina in the starting lineup, which Marina should have started anyway. But, you know, Ty, you know, people have always vastly defended Ty. And I'm not here to bash Ty, but I think that y'all are expecting more from Ty than she can actually give you. Um, so, like, you think she's this floor general, like, I don't know, this perfect point guard. Like, maybe she would be elite in this league, but not here. Not here. Not with this opportunity that she's got here. You send her to Cheryl Reeve. She she could be a most improved player candidate like Mariah was for a while, but Mariah, Mariah is going to be Mariah because she's unfortunately always got those health concerns. So, and she's out indefinitely right now after starting really well in Minnesota. And it's just so unfortunate for a person like Mariah, why I quickly segue, uh, that's, you know, had those injury struggles. And when she got here, didn't play more than eight or nine games initially and then played 28 last year just to not be given a chance again this year and sent to Minnesota, which I understand shipping her off, but I think it was kind of late because, you know, she had missed the first two years off the fat contract that they gave her and they kept like, you know, let's try it again. Let's try it again. And, you know, she never like proved anything in the off season because she always was hurt. So she just sat back and made sure she was healthy to start the season. But anyway, enough of Mariah Jefferson. This team though, 
you know, they don't get to do this draft and develop like Greg thinks is going to work out when the players he's drafting aren't better than what he's got right now. Like, you know, KT is playing, you know, all those minutes a game except for last night where she only played like 23 because she's better than those other players. Like, they're not outworking KT. You know, if those just offensive players that you're drafting, you know, you can't you can't outwork Kayla Thornton. She can get those threes down. She can score. She's got the size. She's a defender. You know, she's beating you out for playing time right now. And the same old Alicia Gray, rookie of the year from 2017, she's talking about it, and she's beating everybody out for playing time. So this plan that Greg's trying to make doesn't and hasn't for years lined up with the head coach and how they want to play. Greg is drafting and bringing in who he wants, and VJ's over here trying to play fast, lead the league in pace. And we pick up Tierra McGowan, who is incredibly slow-footed, uh, I I like her rebound thing, and you know she can be a double double machine if you utilize her and play at her style. But you can't put Tierra McCowan in an offense and a team that wants to play fast like it's college basketball and just run up and down the court. Which VJ didn't even accomplish that last year when she didn't have Tierra. They were ninth in the league in pace. They were ninth in the league in pace. And, you know, they're about in the same boat right now at the exact same pace as last year with Tierra. So that I will give an indictment towards VJ because she's not actually playing at the pace she wants to. She didn't last year and she's still not doing it, whether Tierra's on the court or not. And the defense that's been talked about this season, it's it is better. I will give you that. That's for sure. It is better. But it's got a glaring hole in the paint and in the interior that just I don't know how you can, I don't know how you can win games like that. Mm. And I mean, that's the entire, one of the entire, I don't want to say one of, it's a big reason that their start to the game is always bad because it's easy layups, back cuts, bounce passes in the lane, you know, like, and especially to not play drop coverage against LA when all of those baskets were just everybody cutting behind you and slithering right through and getting to the rim, like, it just doesn't make sense. And why why do you draft Charlie if you're not going to play her in the paint and try to you know alleviate some of that? That's that's my big question. Last year, I could tell you she felt the pressure of being the number one pick. She even talked about that coming into mm-hmm. this season, and she she's in a better headspace now. But yeah, we, like we talked about, she's not getting she's she's getting put out there. You know, VJ will toss her out there three minutes left in the first quarter, get you a few minutes of action in, maybe five max. And then mm-hmm. to jump down the rest of the game. That's pretty much how it's been for Charlie. And she doesn't get the chance. Even like if Big T's out there not producing, she still doesn't know a play. Charlie doesn't get swapped in for her. It's like, you know what? Go in there, Izzy. We're going to go back to the same thing we were doing before and last year. Izzy, Alicia Gray, Kayla Thornton, Marina Mabry, Arike replicating mm-hmm. last year again. So it almost is a question in my mind. Do they know who they are and what they want to do? I don't think so. What do you think, Reggie? No, that's, I mean, confusion of identity has really been part of it. I mean, you actually, as you started talking about it, it made it even more clear for me where I just, I don't know that there is a, there's a alignment of organization and head coach, what, what, what what wants to be done there. I do wonder if uh, VJ with Vicky Johnson has, uh, the ability to work with yours. It's, it's something that kind of some coaches have, 
Some coaches don't, and if it's necessary, it's necessarily like an indictment of them per se, but some coaches just work better with older players, right? I think it was Rick yeah. Arlow yeah. when he was with Dallas. It was very evident that younger players don't really, for whatever reason, don't really work as well, and veterans are more what they go for. And when she came, she came in. Of course, I got, I got fortunate to be fortunate to be able to speak with her. And when her first first time, I, first time I talked to her, she made it very evident, like hardworking, and she wants to basically like the gritty things, right? She wants that level of player. And it seems like those players are players are the veteran players, like your Alicia Gray, your Kayla Thorne, who you talked about in the, at length there. So. It feels like those are the players that you get that fit what she wants meant, meant, but like the players that have been drafted and various, you know, different ways, I guess, outside of like Veronica, who kind of fits kind of old, they're not in, not in that space. So I don't know. I don't know that there's an alignment. I don't even know that you can point to, because sometimes even from the outside, you can point to, okay, to, oh, like, this is what they're trying to do. Even trying to do, you get spot on, you can have an idea. Yeah. I don't think I've ever found it. Always, it always felt like, Acquire the talent, we'll figure it out later, right? Acquire somebody who is good, who's versatile, and we'll figure it out later. Um, where you can point to, like, when they drafted Satu and Bell. I was like, okay, it seems like they're just, like, get big, tall players that can do things. Sure, want it. Um, but I don't know that there's a particular, particular um, direction, and that's been a question for me as well. So, again, I hate to, I hate to like, knock down just because – they're doing well on the court right now, or better at least. You've seen progression, but at the same time, there are some really big questions as to what's happening. The Charlie front has been wild to me because I've gotten to a place where I don't know who to blame on that. Um, you're right; she just looked like she was dropped on a NASCAR track. She just looked like she just looked like everything was too fast for her. But at the same time, in those few minutes that she's getting, which again, probably not enough, in those few minutes she's getting. I'm not seeing flashes. You should get the idea of a proof of concept, right? Even if you're like, okay, I'm not seeing exactly what it is. You can start to see, okay, there's a nugget, right? We talk about it in football with a quarterback. He's not, he's not there yet, but I can see the flash. I can see the reasons why you see this in this person. I haven't seen that with Charlie. I haven't seen those moments where it's like, oh, that's the Hooper. We just need to get that out of her. I haven't seen that. So I don't know if it's like maybe she just doesn't have it, and maybe Vicky's seeing that in her exorbitantly long practices, right? Like maybe she's seeing those. And like, maybe, right, there's just, maybe there's just not there. Maybe Vicky's not giving her enough time to develop into it. It's one of the tough things about this league and how tight it is. You just don't, you just don't have the amount of teams to get all these players in and give them opportunities to get feels like. You just either throw them, to, throw them to the wolves or go with a advanced team and nothing. Really. And I guess, and I guess that's 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 where you know the likes of Chelsea Dungey and I guess now Charlie are kind of um, suffering in some way. And I guess it's kind of both of their faults, you know, both coach and, you know, kind of Charlie at the same time. I don't know if you can really isolate one in this particular situation. And and, and shouts out to EG in the chat, thinking the most underrated part of draft scouting is looking at how each player is coached, which actually brings me to, to bring something up. Think about who Charlie Collier's college coach was, you know, Vic Schaefer. Uh, out there and, and the type of coach that he is he's he's by no means a softy you know so I mean he runs a tight ship out there and I mean it should be it should be almost I mean almost a relief maybe for for Charlie coming to coming to VJ after having Schaefer uh, for the time that she did but I don't think it's, you know, her having any problem maybe in practice or anything I do think one is a lack of opportunity but I don't 
I don't really see in these flashes that EG is also talking about in the chat. Flashes are everything for young players. I haven't seen it either. And, you know, even when she does get that time, but, you know, lately I do see, you know, when she gets the ball, she's got an open look. She's taking a shot and she's been knocking them down. So you can see that she's confident enough to actually take those shots now last year to yeah. where she was timid and would have to pass things back out, being a little nervous. Cause I think, you know, once she was ripped from that starting lineup last year, it just, you know, whatever little bit of confidence she had, it was gone. It was gone. And she needed the off season to recover from that. You know, she didn't have any super stellar off season uh, overseas or anything like that, which it's, it's, it's almost kind of worrisome because everybody dominates overseas. You know, I remember a few years ago, Teresa Plaisance had a 30-20 game overseas. And Jessica Shepard had a 20-20 game this overseas uh, offseason. So, I mean, like, I, I get there are different leagues that you go to, and some are more difficult than the others. But you're number one pick, Charlie, and you got to start stepping that game up. And when she's out there on the court, like, I do see the confidence, but I don't see – you know, what we're looking for, you know, that it, that, that thing that a number one pick is supposed to have. And uh, she could be on the verge of bust. Uh, if she stays here, I think she will be. Uh, if she gets traded, depending on where she goes, uh, it could work out better for her and she could stay in the league. But if she stays here, I think, it, you know, coming into training camp next year, I think she's one of our cuts no matter who we draft if she comes around again next year. And that's, that's, that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to to say, especially also being a freaking Longhorn fan. I want to throw up, but you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I'd rather her be freed and go play somewhere else and then show us actually that she's a number one pick than to really suffer over here. Cause they don't believe in her here. And I see that at least I do anyway. Um, We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about your stinking show, Reggie. We're over here talking about basketball all day, NBA, <laughs> boys dribbling basketballs up and down courts, girls dribbling basketball up and down court. We want to talk about the star of the show in his new show. You know, man, Reggie, I, I don't know your entire journey. I'm actually relatively new to the fan. So as soon as ESPN was like, peace, I was like, you know what? I'm jumping ship. I don't really have a choice, but... Uh, and it was nothing against y'all. It was just what I had known for forever. So I just kind of stuck with it. But I have been loving uh, the fan, uh, the various shows. You know, I've checked out everybody from the morning to the end of the day. So I know everybody's everybody's little sticks and, you know, how what, what ticks some of y'all off. Just go interrupt Corey during the show. You'll have a great time. You'll have a great time <laughs> doing that. And, 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 if you, and if you really enjoy food, you're a foodie. Do not listen to a single take about food from Kevin, ever. Don't do it. You will be pissed off. <laughs> or just be like, what is he talking about? Why did he say that about my precious whatever, you know? But my man Reggie here has upgraded from board operator and guest host on the weekends to the host of his very own show in the, in the nighttime, 7 to 11 hour, the Get Right with Reg and KG. They haven't gotten many episodes in yet because the Texas Rangers just keep playing at 7 o'clock and keep winning baseball games, which we're not mad at that at all, but we want some more Get Right with Reg and KG. Uh, Reggie, man, just tell us, tell us how this all came together, how you got to the fan, and just the process of making your own show over here now from 7 to 11. Oh, that's that's extensive. I appreciate appreciate you appreciate you 
Rockwood album with the station. The station that's pretty awesome. <clears throat> yeah, this is it could, be, it could be a long story, and I can make it even longer, but I'm gonna try and that. Uh, paring it down, went to went to UT Arlington, uh, and I studied broad, broadcast while I was there. Um, and working there was a really cool experience, just because there's a lot of different places where you know, the, the program is really narrow and it only really teaches you to do one thing. And the UTA was kind of broad and especially at the radio station, there, it was student run and it was internet radio. We didn't necessarily, we didn't necessarily have to abide by FCC, you know, laws, even though we tried to, that was the objective, but it was really hands-off and it let us kind of do our own thing. Happened to be there to be there at the time with a few other like really talented, really driven folks. And so that really helped, um, kind of ambition and allowed us to play around and do some fun things. And one of the folks with, with happened to internship at the fan, got the fan, 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 really, really talented radio person. And he put in a good work to, to get into now. Now, of course I got in, I did, went and did my interview and everything. And I guess in, in, with me doing my interview and with that cosign, I don't know which one carried more weight. I was able to start working at the fan in December, 2016, and from there, just kind of pretty much everything that's is to be done there, I've done, you know. So I know just worked and worked and show, you know, showed what I have in the various uh, avenues that I was given the opportunity to. And now we're re- we've reached the point where, um, well, I guess at, at a point I was uh, on the board and producing K and C, at least when they were at night, and they gave me a room. They gave me room to talk um, here and there. Um, they did not. They did not close that space to just, to just themselves. They're like, hey, if you got something interesting to say, say it. Oh, that allowed that allowed me to kind of get in there, had those engagements, and also over time opened me up to the opportunity to host on the weekends, which I've done. And then that then opened up the opportunity that when there was a space, space, the bosses said, Hey, we want you, we want your voice more prominently on the station. And here, you guys, nighttime nighttime show. So myself and Kevin Gray are doing the Get Right with Reggie KG, like you said, and that will be 7 to 11 um, on weeknights when the Rangers aren't playing baseball on 105. So especially once we come football season and, uh, and uh, the early parts of early parts of basketball season, you hear us night every night uh, just chopping it up, trying to have a good time, talking some hoops as much as we can because I was then also then also talking everything in between then yeah I, I think we will try and we'll try and cultivate in the same as you guys here here just you know having a good time more than anything you know obviously you want to have good sports good informative sports and you know that stuff but more than anything it's an entertainment show so we're trying to have fun you know i think that's that's what you get when you uh, rock with the get right and I definitely had fun that first night. Looking forward to more episodes to come. Um, Mr. Reggie, fun fact for you, you probably don't know this, and it's been a while, but Kevin Gray was actually one of our first guests on the show in our very first episode back almost two years ago, about a year and a half now. So we have both members of the Get Right that came through on the lowdown. Shot. Pat myself on the back real quick. <laughs> hey, that's yeah. great. Like I, I'm sure that KG's episode went a lot better than mine because he probably thought actually rigged, actually rigged up his like audio setup. I was like, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll just do it on my phone. I probably should have rigged up the audio setup, but 
and glad that uh, we, uh, we, we were able to come through. All good. We're working through it. You know, people still appreciate uh, all your commentary today. You know, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'm going to do what I can in this editing process. But, hey, we had we had enough. We had plenty of good content to where I don't think people are going to gripe too much about those little spikes no. in it. You know, they'll be like, oh, my God, get this man a better microphone. But I like <laughs> what he's saying. I like what he's saying. Um, you know, is, Reggie, you know, you said you've been working there since December of 2016 and you've done everything under the sun at the fan did you feel an extra sense of pride and satisfaction when they finally called your number to host one of the shows by yourself and make it your own thing with uh kevin um it doesn't feel like the right answer but like no uh, it, it, it seems absurd, but like I guess I I have uh, I have enough ego and I guess self worth as well that I felt very validated in what I bring. So, so um, it is absolutely an honor to get the opportunity to be in that space because one thing I saw is when when it was announced that we were doing that, there was a lot of love that poured out. So I do appreciate that, and I never want to make it seem like I don't. But I always felt like, all right, I know what I bring, what I what I'm capable. Though the level of validation, hey, like I feel like I love internal of internal validation. But the thing that really hatched me, quashed me quite a bit, is that we stepped up to that place, and people were like, hey, really happy to have it, really happy to have you saying these things to us. Prefer, prefer else, that's else, that's the type of reaction that we got. And also on day one, I was like, all right, let's put this to the test. Let's see how much you rock with us. Will you donate to charities on our behalf? And people say, yeah. And that means a lot, right? That means people not, not only respect what you say, but value you as a person to the point where like, I'm up off my pockets behind something that you tell me is worth That more than anything was the level of validation that like, that like I can say things <clears throat> and people trust my judgment and what I have to say, that more than anything. Having the opportunity and the place to respect and I appreciate it greatly from the fan and our bosses and everything. But more than anything, the validation is, is from the people. You, we all three of us have worked behind the scenes in radio. Uh, so we all, you know, have a whole bunch of stories, I'm sure, that would not ever, we would never want to get out on the air or anything like that. My my question, I guess what I'm going to ask, and without naming names or putting yourself in a position where they're going to be like, okay, a two-week suspension or anything like that. Uh, was there ever somebody that you've worked with and, you know, maybe they necessarily say something, you know, one way and then it's a different way, you know, once the mic goes off? Or, or is there, you know, dealing with the different personalities, the different egos, as you mentioned, is it is there somebody that you have worked with that's one way to you while the mics are hot and then a different way when they're not that's a good question and i honestly can say i don't think so and i guess look um maybe they say something they're not when they're not around me I don't, but, but for the most part about it i think i'm fairly, I'm fairly genuine um i think and i think that people show me that same courtesy um and maybe it's just I'm I tend to be somebody that if it's if it's not something I can do anything about, I don't really worry too much about it. And sometimes that'll miss me. So maybe so maybe there was somebody who had that, but thankfully, thankfully 
I've worked in a space where um, the, my interactions with people have been met with the same energy. And then also, and then also I will give some props to the state to the station, right? And please don't, please don't view me as like a boot licking, kissing, kissing. Like that's not what I'm trying. But for the most part, the, the station and the people, the people in charge of the station have done a good job of cultivating folks and folks and an environment where it's like, hey, we need everybody to be on that same page. And, you know, it's almost like it's a, it's a fraternal, it's a brotherhood. It's a, it's a clubhouse, as they like to say. So, hey, man, get in here and and follow exist with everybody and everybody. And so I don't think I've had any issues and I definitely don't can't recall anybody, anybody having a different a different interaction with me on air on air. I like that. I mean, you know, I, I can, I could give you names of, of people that, you know, are one way when the mic's hot and, you know, they, you would give they, names. I, I wouldn't give names. I, I could not, out here? not, not while we're doing the Everybody show. Ruby talking that stuff at the, after the show, man. Uh, I, I call you out on the pod enough when you, when you'd say that stuff. Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> He's ruthless. I tell you. No, I, it's just, you know, and then for me, at least, you know, the people that I, like you said, you know, being genuine, I find is the best way, you know, dealing with people. It's just like you said, with, with egos, and everything like that. That's what my biggest worry is, is that, you know, if, if you're doing everything, you know, eventually they're going to realize it. And they're, you know, if, even if they feel differently, you know, they're not going to, you know, berate you or anything like that to your face and so i'm like you said i'm i'm glad that you've got you know a lot of people there in your your clubhouse that you work with that that you know are very genuine or at least you know they don't disrespect once the mic goes off or anything like that and back to the front end of what he said since he want to be humble what what he's trying to say is when he got the gig he was like it's about mup time that i got this i've been here six years better give me my own show okay but we'll, we'll let him yeah, be humble there, and be like you know what i'm just i'm confident in me and good good there, right there, there. are some there are some places in in dfw where you can work for 20 something years and never advance so that is a very uh that is a here. very good fact here, right that, that reginald uh reginald has has gotten to this point in just six years here Oh no, because like look, Drew, you're not Drew, you're not wrong. <laughs> like, uh, but this is the thing, because you're you guys are. Ab- I've never I've never been somebody who subscribes to the idea that like the cream rises to the top. I know it's something that's said, but I'm very much a person where like there's talented people who don't make it to that place all the time. So I'm not someone who looks and goes, my talent will get me to a place, right? My ability, my ability will get me to a place to the promised land. I am a piece, a piece a long time ago with the idea. There's a possibility that you can, and it just, it just doesn't work out. That's just, that's just kind of how it goes at times. And so that put me in a place where I took validation of ability, abilities and not in the, in like the results. It's almost like process oriented. And you see that in the way that I like evaluate sports and a lot of different things. It's like, as long as the process is right, I, I can't really be too upset with the results because all sorts of other variables come in there. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? Like I can't, I, I can't control if somebody doesn't like me. It's like, I guess I, I have little, less control over if somebody likes me or not, or what have you, or if opportunities don't arise at the right time. So when it comes down to me, yes, a little bit of a humble brag, but at the same time, it very much comes from a place where if I get an opportunity, cool, but that honestly, I don't know how much that actually says about my abilities 
Um, Cause I, I feel like I was from, from early on. In fact, like my boss will tell you, there was a story in which uh, I think it was like on social media, somebody tweeted and the boss was like, yeah, Reggie is a, up, is a upcoming star. And I tweeted back, I'm gonna start right now. Like, I, I had that, had that ability in the capabilities that I had from the fact when I'm in fact, when I got hired here, I was, like, I was flat out. I, I thought you could put me on the air right now. So, so I had that in my ability. So when I get to this place, yeah, sure. Um, I'm happy to be there and I'm grateful for it, but I do think that I had that ability and I've had it for a while. Nah, bro, we're bringing you back on the show. Absolutely. Show. I was just about a... to say, one of my favorite interviews that we've ever done. Hey, man, he got that energy, bro. I want to get on the radio right now. Hey, <laughs> let me go get live. Let me go hack the radio real quick. <laughs> let me just like, what is he doing talking about the Dallas Cowboys at 4.23 in the afternoon? This is not a... All right. But no, I, hey, I appreciate that, man. And and you definitely have have worked yo. I'm not gonna cuss on this show. This is a clean show. You know, worked your buttocks off, okay? And I, I'm looking forward to more to get right. And, and before we get into our with it or quit it game, just tell us some more about the get right. I know you guys haven't had a bunch of episodes yet, so nobody could come on here and be like, you know, I'm looking forward to this segment. Yeah, this segment. Do you even remember? They don't have four hours of show, guys. Don't pretend like y'all super fans or something. We don't remember. But we know one thing. I know one thing that y'all did that first night was y'all had, you know, kind of get to know thing going on and you extended it because you guys were new and, you know, a lot of people didn't know you. So what are some of the other things that you plan on bringing to your show, some unique segments or just, you know, just whatever you guys have in, in store for your consistent show? Well, that's a great question. I like to ask, like to ask you the same thing. No, like I just um, I don't know. I, I think that my perspective, and it could be wrong, I don't pretend to know everything, is I think that it'll flow naturally with the friend that we have, the partnership that we have, the capability that we have to relate to each other. And that's a time of day where luckily the degree of the, degree of the audience is just a different level, right? Yep. Just, to, just to kind of go behind radio, and I know you guys have an understanding, but the listeners might not, is radio during the daytime whether it's the morning drive or the afternoon drive or the middays the radio's driven a lot by people in their cars and that's a lot less of an opt-in than at nights at nights people aren't aren't commuting nearly as much of course you've got your truckers you've got people who are doing uber and deliveries and those types of things who are but a lot of your audience is making a conscious decision outside of work hours or what have you to tune in. So those people are invested. And in that way, yes, I'm trying to do the show that I want to do because I'm the person, I'm the talent to create, to create the content. Right. But at the same time, also also want to involve the sensibility, just like, just like welcome folks into like the round round table that is the show. So I think at some point that'll be dictated in part by the reaction of the audience. Hell working on KNC. One thing I've, really grown to appreciate is how how much the audience can add to the experience when you allow them to mm-hmm. so that's something that we've been thinking about so i don't know if i can tell you exactly how that comes to bear but but that's that's the type of thing that i'm looking on i'm trying i'm trying to cultivate the place where the audience feels like they're a part of the show and bring something to it and feels like you know you know they know what's coming from me and kg because they know us pretty well and the show is us in a way so i know the i know the segments that we'll do that we'll do pretty much most of the time k 
Kevin Gray has the gray area segment where you know he's just going to kind of talk about something that he finds interesting that's coming on that's coming off of his brain. Ooh, let's ooh, let's go back and forth with it. Every once in a while, I'll hit you with that's this and that segment, which is a really, really simple premise where we're just opportunity, opportunity to throw something out there, um, and you can buy or sell it. You know, basically, as everybody's familiar with the buy or sell segment, just you know, hey, let's. Boom, this is a thing that's interesting. interesting. What are we thinking about it? And kind of go around it. But ultimately, just the show, more than anything, is going to be, it's going to be us, the, the, what the, the, the best of what the audience brings to us. So if you want to be involved with that, check out the Get Right. And also, if you are in the DFW area and do listen to sports radio, when there's not a Ranger game, the Get Right is going to be the only live local sports show in that time frame. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for live sports content as opposed to something rehashed, perhaps, you know, that why not tune in, give it a listen. With it or quit it is the cousin of buy and sell. And yes. uh, with the breaks or keep it, keeping it moving from, uh, golly, what was, oh man. Now I'm forgetting the name of Jalen Rose's stinking show because I haven't watched it in a while. Uh, uh, oh my gosh. Wow. What's wrong with me? Jalen and, Oh my God, bald white guy. Uh, uh, uh. All right, I feel like Reggie got the answer. Go ahead. Ahead. Huh? Say it again. Jalen to Jalen, right? All right, yes, yes. Jalen and Jacoby. Now I feel way less dumb now because it was literally on the tip of my tongue and I couldn't remember the dude's name. But yeah, the cousin of that. So uh, looking forward to everything within the get right, my friend. See, Nay coming through with it right there. Yes, Thank you, Nay. Shouts out to Nay popping up in the chat. All right, it's time to dive into that segment. And that's with it or quit it. And Reggie, this is pretty simple. Like I said, it's the cousin of buy or sell and related to Jalen and Jacoby's hit the brakes and keep it moving. Uh, we just need to know with these five questions that BJ is going to ask you, because it's his turn this time around. You lucky I ain't got yes. questions. I'll be asking you some weird <laughs> stuff. Uh, BJ's got five questions he want to ask you. He just needs to know if you're with what he's saying or if, man, he just needs to quit. Quit talking about that. Quit. Quit it. Yeah, I tried to get I tried to get a little weird and, and I didn't do oh, all sports whoa. and I didn't I didn't necessarily get a little do... weird. <laughs> well, I tried to go this a little family show. I, not that weird is what I oh, mean. Okay. I just was trying to branch out and not just be focusing on the, the shooty hoops, if you will. So I'm gonna okay. go ahead and start with number one for our good friend Reginald, and that is that crunchy peanut butter is Ooh. better than smooth peanut butter. Are you with it? Or are you going to quit it? All right. Sorry. There's time in my life where I was with it, but I'm going to have to disappoint. I, I do. I you love crunchy peanut butter. Godspeed. Uh, I just feel like it's less versatile. It, it's really, it's very pragmatic. I think there's, there's people that say logical to be emotional, but like just the pragmatism of peanut butter, creamy peanut butter often works in, in more things. Crunchy, crunchy in my, in my, uh, in my fridge or in my pantry, it would just be for making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I wouldn't really do yeah. that much with it. Creamy peanut butter, I might, I might put on some, some other stuff. I might put it on some apples, do some other, like I have more versatility with it. So just, it's just that. Put it on your pancakes and your waffles. You'll Ooh. thank me later. Girl. I'm sorry. What? Wow. Wow, bro. That's... Peanut butter and bananas on there? Bro, no, I mean you ain't gotta do the banana stuff, but man, get Come you on, some get some honey roasted peanut uh Peter Pan peanut butter, put it on them pancakes and them waffles, man. Get that syrup on top and bless yourself. I tried to bless you, Reggie. 
I don't know. I, hear, I, hear, I just I prefer <laughs> buttermilk pancakes. Put some butter on it, syrup, and we can just stick there. Maybe some fruit every once in a while, but like let's keep it simple. Yeah, I, I respect it. it. I feel it. Okay. All right, number two. If this Boston Celtics team defeats the Golden State Warriors, yeah. in your mind, do they exceed what the Big Three team accomplished with their championship run in 08 and making it to another one? With it, quit it, quit it. That's tough. Uh, I'll say with it. And here's why. That 08, 08 was like a culmination of careers for individuals. But this one would be a culmination of a career like for like Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens and Emei Odoka. Like this is a whole build. So I think that would mean a lot as an organization is that build up to a championship in a way where the Boston Celtics, and I don't mean to say this is a pejorative, I know a lot of people do, like they kind of just, they built it real fast in the super team. Kind of want to take this opportunity to point to, yes, the fact is, about like the super team era you gotta make box like you can't think where you go lebron created the super team no 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 stop it. i completely agree i Ooh, completely ne- agree next time we get reggie back i promise we will have more excellent audio <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right number three i'm shifting gears we're gonna go out on the ice are the tampa bay lightning going to three peat as stanley cup champions i'm I say yes they're gonna are you with it or quit it and brought a hockey question. Yeah, I'm gonna be with it. I'm not the I'm not the biggest hockey. Like if you want to find a, a flaw in my game, you're there. But um, Vasilevsky, I know that when he's in net, and that dude is one of, if not the best goaltender in the game right now, or at least that remains in the uh, playoffs. Playoffs. So can't tell you much about second, like first and second, third line in there. But what I can, what I can tell you is that if you have a good goalie, you have a great opportunity in the playoffs. And that's the looking at right there. I would go ahead and put my money on the Lightning doing it. Yeah, you see, you see a contrast in styles. Not going to spend too much on this, but you saw eight to six in the Western Conference Finals game one. You might see one nothing triple overtime in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's how dis- the difference between those two series are. Is that they're both both the Eastern teams have great goaltending, and both Western teams have great offenses. I just All hope- right. I hope somebody gets in a fight so I can see the highlight the next morning when I wake up. That's why I look it, forward to it. It's going to happen. You watch the, the you watch the Stars Flames series; they were going at it uh, oh, every all, every seven game, every I all games. It. There's not blood on the ice. It wasn't a real game. <laughs> all right, I noticed you had a Ken Griffey shirt on. We were talking for a few minutes before the show started. So number four is going to go to baseball. ESPN is debuting the captain. Uh, next month, July 18th, about Derek Jeter. And so the question is, that's going to be better than the last dance that they did with it or quit it? All right, help me out here. Is the captain, how many parts is this? Because I remember it was a multi-part, but how many is it? I, I can't remember if it's six or ten, but it's some. It's it's either one of those two, I'm pretty sure. Sure. All right, I'm, I'm going to quit it. It's not, there's no way that it does that. Even though I think the last dance very much trapped in, in like it ended up almost being propaganda. Like that's a little strong. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's like you had, like you had Michael Jordan was going to have some level of editorial control because he wasn't about to let you use any of his to say so. So it was going to be skewed in a particular way. That said, it's Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Like he just holds 
large position in the history of the world at this point. Like, you can't just say America, global superstar in a way that think that we've seen since. And I don't know that we will be able to see, at least when it comes to like sports figures or whatever. Like, you could go anywhere, say Michael Jordan, and some idea what you were talking about. And with all that being the case, there's a lot of people tied into Michael Jordan. There's people that didn't talk about basketball watching that series and that found uh, an interest in it because it became like this myth. And as much as Derek Jeter is a very good baseball player, and uh, even though, you know, he probably should have given up that short spot, stop spot, a better shortstop who was Alex Rodriguez. That's neither there nor there. But he just is not going like there. He's got some interesting things to him. Don't get me wrong. I'm interested in seeing where they go with that, even though it might be too much uh, landscape to cover with him, right? I don't think he's that much footage for, uh, of a documentary. However, he's just he's just not the same figure that Michael Jordan has in all the same amount of interest. There's no way I think that it can be as interesting as The Last Dance. I respect it. I mean, it, I think basically what you could make the argument for is whether you prefer basketball or baseball. I, you know, thought with the Griffey shirt on, I might be able to get you going up there, but no. <laughs> All right, no sweat. Number five might be the most controversial answer we have ever, or question I've ever oh. asked. Oh, okay, you said you asked. I was about to say, I, I thought something was controversial last week, and you were like, nah, that's, that's not it. <laughs> What most con- this might be the most controversial I've I've ever asked. All right. Okay. Number five. Pineapple does not belong on pizza. With it or quit it. And Drew walks away. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. All right. Clearly, clearly Drew has a very strong feeling on this, so we'll see how uh whether I disappoint him or not. Quit it. Pineapple goes on pizza if you want it to. Um, that is a delicious fruit. It adds a sweetness to pizza, pizza, and it's about it's about making sure that the flavors match on your pizza. I don't know why people are so opposed to putting fruit on their pizza like it ain't a whole tomato on there. Uh, like it's, just, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. You don't got to eat it if you don't want to. By the way, like I don't know if anybody yeah. told you this, but it's the pineapple. If you don't want it on your pizza, you can absolutely not ask for it. I ain't had a single anchovy on one of my pizzas yet. I'm not going to tell you that you can't have an anchovy on your pizza. I'm, I'm going to judge you for it. <laughs> but, but, you know, with the pizza, that thing, pizza, that thing is delicious. Have you not? With the pizza, with the pizza. I'll, 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 put the, I'll put the pineapple on, on the pizza. I, I eat it out the can. I just leave it like that. I like them little, I like them little chunks, bro. I, I can't put them together, yo. I just, and you talking about the tomatoes? Them tomatoes is mashed up. See, I'm one of them weirdies. This is why this is about to get real complicated now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get judged after this one. I don't eat tomatoes, but I mess with that ketchup, that hot sauce, that <laughs> all marinara. of that, all of that marinara, all that. Except I don't mess with them tomatoes. I just tomatoes don't bring no value to me. I don't. Hey, get, I used, I used to feel like that, well, somewhat like that. Not exactly. So you're gonna tell me I need to grow up? I know I can hear it already in your mind. Um, I wasn't gonna say that, but I mean, since you said it, you can go ahead and take that. One. Um, uh, <laughs> I the reason why I had like I would go and get sandwiches or whatever with no tomatoes because my mom did it. Like it was thing as simple as simple as it was simply the tradition of it. And I never took stock and took an opportunity to evaluate it. And this is actually like the reason why I felt the need to say this is this. An issue, an issue that we had in our society, our society. And just take traditions, take traditions, and we don't examine them at all. And just because we used to do them, we keep doing them. But it was something where I just stopped taking them off, and it was like, hey, this is not, this is not bad. I actually kind of like the flavor profile that comes with all of this. 
and now I eat tomatoes on stuff. Like, there's still instances where I'm like, I don't feel like I want that flavor, but that's natural, right? If you taste right. that thing, then I get that thing. But I'm a lot more open to tomatoes than I was previously just because I hadn't given it a shot. So I don't know what it is, the reason why you don't like tomatoes. But I know for me, that was something as simple as, hey, did you did you ever really give it a good chance? And the answer was no. And as I had a good chance, I, like, I kind of like this. I don't love it. It's fine. I kind of like it. I might end up being in the same boat because mine's probably the same thing. It's not really giving it a chance because like always, I don't even remember how I got to where I am as far as like what I like on my burger. I don't know if, if mom was like, what do you want? I was just like, man, I don't know. Ketchup, mustard, pickles, put it on there. This is the first thing that came to my mind. And yeah, I've just been eating it since. It was just like lettuce. That's that goes in a salad. No, I don't want another burger. Tomato, <laughs> that's not ketchup. That's not marinara sauce. I don't want it. Go over there. Onions, that texture nasty. Go over there. But <laughs> I don't know, man. I might come around to it. You know, just Reggie is motivating me to give it another try another day, but not today. <laughs> we'll try it another time. Uh, somebody be like, you know what? All right. You you want the rest of this burger? It's got a tomato on it. I will take a bite. I might finish that burger and be like, you know what? That tomato is not that bad. It's not that bad. Not that bad. But one question: it, Does it also? And I get we already kind of mentioned it, but like you don't want that flavor. Like, does it even sound logical to put a tomato with my combination of cheeseburger? You know, throw a tomato and lettuce in with some mustard, ketchup, and pickles. Like, that sounds like what are we doing here? We're doing a lot, a little too much. No, I think it's fine. No, oh, you good? Yeah, you know I don't know if I want to try it together. I don't know, but I'm a, I'm gonna put the tomato on the little burger. I'm gonna take a little bite, bite, and I'm gonna let Reggie know whether I liked it or I hated it. I'm gonna DM him and be like, Reggie, you know what? These tomatoes kind of gas. Or I'm gonna be like, you know what, Reggie? I still don't. F- oh, I still don't mess with tomato. <laughs> I still don't mess with tomatoes. It's hard not to cuss. Oh Lord, gotta have a clean show. <laughs> pretend, I'm, pretend I'm on radio. Pretend I'm on Oh, we'll get there. Okay. Uh, we usually don't have more than five questions, but I've got a 5.5 tonight. I'm interrupted on BJ's questionnaire. No worries. With it or quit it, number 5.5. With it or quit it, you think you look a little bit like Jalen Brown. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. Gotten that one before. And I'm not sure that I agree. However, that's fine. He, he seems like a good young gentleman. And more than like he like he he could hoop, but like he actually does seem to have head on his shoulders and all that. And but that's not why you're saying that. You're saying the beard, beard, and my particular complexion. That's fine. It works. Ow. Ow. <laughs> the beard is definitely a big part of it. Y'all got the same exactly shaped beard and everything. I thought you looked a little bit like it was put on put on his jersey, bro. Hey, you could you, you could put you could get in the starting lineup. They'll think, hey man, they'll let you warm up. Like that one dude that popped out the crowd and put on <laughs> put on the warm-ups and started shooting in the corner and security took him out in a Pelicans game. <laughs> hey, I, nobody would think he was sus walking on the court with their jersey on, man. I'd let him hoop. We'd be sitting over there at home watching the game. Is that Reggie? I don't look like Jalen. Oh, love, bro. Hey, but oh, no, nah, Jalen is a good dude. So, I mean, if you got any comparisons to an individual of a basketball player, I mean, that's a that's not only a great athlete and hooper, that's a dude with a great head on his shoulder, like you said. So, I mean, but if, do you actually think you look like him, though? Like, if you sit down and look at it, like, I don't know. I don't I don't like to picture y'all without beards because I know James Harden ugly without that thing. So. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I can I can say like a very vague resemblance. So I look, I'm not going to fight you on it, but yeah, I don't I don't know that I necessarily entirely agree. 
<laughs> All right. Well, BJ, oh, do you have goodness. a five point five? No, five? that's way okay, better. Quit it. <laughs> I, in fact, I'm going to tell you to quit it now. Let's. <laughs> Yo. Let's BJ let's said, stop bugging him about looking like Jalen Brown a little. BJ bit. said, "End the broadcast." Oh my god. <laughs> No, that is with it acquitted, ladies and gentlemen, and that is the show. Uh, Reginald, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Looking forward to some more episodes of the Get Right. And you know me and BJ, uh, well, you may not know this, actually. Me and BJ both call high school football, so we will be out during the season on our way back. You know we're going to be turning on the Get Right on our way back to the crib. Y'all make sure y'all all tune in to the Get Right 7 to 11 weekdays. Get Right with Reggie and KG. On 105.3 The Fan, shouts out to anybody that came in the chat. And Nay, appreciate the support right there. Oh, my goodness. She said, <laughs> I've got to read this. She said, he looks like if Jalen Brown and Chris Tucker had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Yo! Whoa. Wow. Hey, man. That's, that's, that's a crazy combination. Man, how do you feel about that? I mean, I got I to gotta hear something on this one. Right? No, 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 no worries for that one. <laughs> Regardless, Reggie, we appreciate you coming on, bro. Both members that are get right done been on the low down. So now y'all got to go get right with them every weeknight from 7 to 11. Appreciate you, brother. And guys, make sure y'all go follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore lowdown. That's T-H-A underscore lowdown on both Twitter and Instagram. Make sure y'all drop those follows on both Twitch and YouTube at the lowdown. Drop that subscription. Follow us on Twitch so you can catch these live broadcasts. Appreciate Nay coming in the chat and EG as well. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace out.